Ah, sweet land of liberty. Our founding fathers not only pledged, but gave their lives, their fortunes, and their sacred honor to obtain our God-given liberty. Now it's our turn. Liberty can only thrive if it's alive in the hearts of a freedom-loving people. I'm Dan Matthews, and I'm pleased to welcome you to Freedom's Ring. Here's our host and constitutional lawyer and minister, Alan Reinach. Welcome back to Freedom's Ring, my friends. When is prayer not prayer? Maybe when the person saying it is not actually praying because they don't actually believe that there's somebody to pray to. But we've got a good story for you today, and here to talk about it, Attorney Jeremy Samick, Senior Counsel, the Independence Law Center in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. Jeremy, welcome to Freedom's Ring. Thanks so much for having me, Alan. So tell us about this case in the Third Circuit Court of Appeals there in Pennsylvania. Sure. So in the state of Pennsylvania, the legislature, there's the Senate and there's the House. In the Senate, they will invite people to come and different senators will invite people to come and to pray or do some sort of a solemnizing message before they open their sessions. And they'll invite anybody to come. It doesn't matter if you're religious or not. You can come and just open the message with, hey, everybody get along and be nice people. And for the Senate, that's their rules. In the House, they have a tradition of inviting ministers of various religious faiths to come and to open in prayer where they're seeking divine guidance. So, and this has been a practice that's been happening for a long, long time. A group of free thinkers, theists, agnostics, uh, asked to come to the house. And during the time that is set aside to pray for divine guidance, they wanted to just give a speech. So the, basically the request was to do something that was not being done at the time they were requesting to do it prayer. So the argument, and maybe I'm getting a little bit too far, but one of their second complaints, in addition to not being able to go and speak during a time that was set aside for prayer, they had a problem because the Speaker of the House would ask people to please rise. And there was a sign that said, please rise as well. So those are the two complaints in that case. So it was an interesting case. They actually lost at the district court level. They peeled up to the Third Circuit. And the Third Circuit held that, in fact, if the government is setting aside a time for prayer and they're inviting people to pray, that it's completely consistent to only have somebody speak who is actually praying. Prayer being seeking divine guidance from some supernatural being. But if you don't believe in a supernatural being and you don't believe in prayer, then you sort of disqualified yourself from seeking access to a time to pray to a divine being. Well, that seems like a pretty sensible approach to these things. But maybe we should put it in the larger context of, you know, these sort of battles over the separation of church and state and, you know, how having separation really properly understood can provide protection for religious freedom. I'm guessing, because I haven't followed the, you know, the briefing and all in this case, but I'm guessing that the free thinkers and the atheists are arguing that they're being discriminated against, right? that yeah. uh, they're being excluded unfairly. Yes. The argument is that they were being excluded unfairly because they were atheists. If we take a step back, even from the religious nature of what was going on, if we imagined for a second that the government was inviting somebody from the community to come and talk about environmental issues, if I came and said, or global warming or climate change, whatever it's called now, if you invite people to come talk about climate change and I said, you know, I don't want to talk about climate change, but I'd really like to talk about the speed limits. 
during that time that's set aside to talk about climate change. Nobody would have a problem with telling me, well, you know, you're welcome to talk about speed limits at the proper time and place, but this is a time that's set aside to talk about climate change. Um, but I don't believe in climate change, I might say. So I'm disqualified from talking at all during that time. Well, that's fine, but we, we're going to be talking about something else at this time. That's what they did. The government, whenever it's their speech, and in this case, it was their speech, they can set aside a time to seek divine guidance. That's something that has happened in our, the history of our country for hundreds of years. Legislative prayer, seeking divine guidance even right. before our constitution was formed. And so courts have held numerous times that it's completely consistent with the Establishment Clause for legislative prayer to occur. And if you want to open it up like the Pennsylvania Senate has to people who just want to give a, a nice solemnizing message, they're welcome to do that. Uh, the Pennsylvania House decided that they wanted to keep it consistent with actually praying um, for divine guidance. And so the court gave them the ability to continue to do that. And it really makes sense and until you put it into the context of religion, where some people get uh, a little bit more uptight and reason and logic sometimes goes out the window. But here, the court made the right decision. So let me kind of uh, put this in the larger context, because, you know, if there's a key principle behind the Establishment Clause, Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion. Uh, religion is not a proper object. It's not the business of government. Government shouldn't be passing laws or taking actions specifically for religious purposes to, you know, to aid religion, to denigrate religion. Um, you know, what the government does is civil, and it's supposed to respect the independence of the churches and, and of the religious sector. But that doesn't deprive elected officials of saying, hey, we want to acknowledge as you said, we want to acknowledge that there is a God and that we want to seek his guidance and blessing on the work that we do for the people as elected officials. And this has been something that American legislatures have done from the beginning. And when it came to the Supreme Court back, I want to say, was it the 1980s, early 80s, March versus Chambers? Or was it the 70s? It's hard. I can't remember now. But the Supreme Court basically said, look, you know, this is a historical practice and uh, it's fine, right? Mm -hmm. That's right. And so there's another case that just came down in the Third Circuit as well, the same summer. And this dealt with whether a religious emblem on the logo of a county seal established, uh, and this was a cross. So does having a cross on a county seal establish Christianity in the state of Pennsylvania or at least in that county? And that's something that across the country we've seen organizations send letters telling counties and cities that this little religious emblem amongst all of these other emblems in their seals are unconstitutional. Sometimes they just remove them. Um, some of the times they've lost. But because of a U.S. Supreme Court case earlier this year, Bradensburg, the Bladensburg cross case. And this was a mm -hmm. uh, real brief history. It was a cross that was put up to keep in memory people who died in World War One. It was the mothers of, I think, I want to say 40 some servicemen who died during World War One was put up. It's been there for over 90 years. And the U.S. Supreme Court in a 7-2 decision held that the Bladensburg cross can stay. The lemon test, we won't go into all the details of what the lemon test is, but essentially gave judges the ability to just come to the conclusion that they wanted to come to. It was just a test that's too easily manipulated 
too easy to allow people to just make a complaint just because they're offended at seeing something that is religious emblem that they don't agree with. And so they dialed back that test when it comes to religious monuments, which is a good result. It's not a perfect result because it doesn't answer all questions for these kind of things or what's going to happen in the future. But one of the interesting things that it did was say that in addition to these other considerations, like how long it's been there and its purpose and has the purpose, is the purpose really to impose religion or does it have a secular purpose? We're also going to consider if we remove these things, does it appear like we're being hostile towards religion? And that's an important addition that really hasn't happened in the jurisprudence when it comes to establishment clause cases. So the principle is there. Okay, I finally found a picture of the cross. Now, I got to tell you, Jeremy, between you and me, I would not have voted to uphold this seal now that I'm looking at it because, but, you know, you can explain to me perhaps a little more. You're familiar with the case. This cross is in the middle of the circle, which is Mm -hmm. the seal. It's Mm -hmm. very prominent, and it really, you know, it's like some of the California, there was a a display of ones that they showed to the court. So, for example, you've got a couple that feature the mission, Santa Barbara, Santa Clara, Mm -hmm. you know, picture of mission. But, you know, they're much less obtrusive. This is like the cross is the deal right here in the middle of the seal. Why is it there? Yeah, and so the the court... What's the symbolism here? What's the and this point is, of it? This is back to the county seal. This is the cross right, the county seal. Right, the county seal. of so, Lehigh, Pennsylvania. So the Third Circuit looked at the U.S. Supreme Court case that just came down and said, there's a 90-foot cross in the middle of a highway. And yes, people look at that and they say, obviously, it's a religious symbol. But the religious symbol has historical meaning. There's historical meaning as to why it's there. We all understand that crosses are often used to remember the dead and people who have sacrificed. And that same thing is true with the beginning of civil government in different areas of our country, where people came to certain areas of the country because of religion, uh, religion just as much as farming and just as much as manufacturing. And so depending on the depending on where you are, these county emblems most often contain items that have some connection to the past of that area. And, and just because one of those elements happens to be religion is OK. The fact that it's in the middle is also okay. Just like this 90-foot cross that's in the middle of a highway, we ought not be looking at things and saying we need to treat religion worse than secular emblems. The key is to treat them neutral. And so if they had decided to put the picture of the uh, the manufacturing, I don't know what they were manufacturing, but there's smoke billowing out of it. If that was in the center and the cross was on the side, it wouldn't make a difference just because the cross is in the center. Yeah, it brings up people's antennas in this day and age. But I think what the court is saying is maybe that was improper understanding of how the establishment clause was really meant to be. And back to the Bladensburg case, some of the reasoning was from some of the justices, Justice Gorsuch and Justice Thomas specifically, that, you know, the establishment clause might intended to talk about how much is it coercing us into religious practice. So we certainly shouldn't be funding religious organizations that we disagree with. But are we coercing people into this? Is it really making us, as the argument goes, a second-class citizen just by having to view something that we disagree with? And if not, dialing back that I'm offended, I see something that I disagree with, and bringing it back to the true meaning of the Establishment Clause, it seems like we're going in a little bit of a better direction. So I'm going to kind of try to express the alternate viewpoint here. I'm not sure how well I'll do at it, but, you know, I've interviewed Jewish guests, and in particular, a couple of them concerning the Bladensburg case. Hmm. Um, 
because I think it's important for those of us, you know, who are Christians, who are of the majority faith in this country, to understand the experience of those who have a different, you know, different perspective. They're not of the majority. And, you know, okay, where do you encounter the seal? You, you encounter it in various engagements with the government. So you encounter it when you go to do business with the government. If you're going to appear before the county government, maybe to get a permit or to, you know, to, to get a waiver from the, you know, get approved by the planning commission and go through the, the board of supervisors or whatever the county government is in, in that particular county. And when you see a cross that is front and center and it looks like what it is, is it is over above a building that looks like it's the government uh, center, the um, whatever the parliament or legislative uh, you know, capital is of that county. Uh, so that's what the building looks like in that seal. And it really does send a very clear message that if you're Christian, you belong. And if you're not, uh, you better know your place. Now, I was a New Yorker, and I went to law school in the South, and I knew that I didn't belong. That was very clear. People were nice to me, but I also knew that I didn't belong, and I was not going to stay in the South and try to practice law as as a Yankee um, and as a Jew, because even though I'm a Christian, you know, I come from a Jewish family. And so, frankly, that really does convey a very clear message of exclusion you know, to to some people. Now, you and I as Christians, we don't necessarily experience it that way, and it can be hard to understand how other people experience it. But I do think the value of the Establishment Clause is to send a clear message. I think Roger Williams and many others of our founders were very clear that America was to be a land of freedom for people of all different religions, not just for Christians, long before, well, in some of the other colonies. Our guest today has been Jeremy Stanek. We've been talking about some Pennsylvania cases involving religious freedom across and uh, prayer case. Jeremy, thank you for being with us on Freedom's Ring. My pleasure. Thank you. And this has been Freedom's Ring. I'm your host, Alan Runnock. Until next week, let freedom ring. <laughs>